Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week five of a series called Run It Back. And in this series, we're looking back at some of the messages in the series from our first hundred-ish weeks as a church, and we're reteaching them in the context of this unique season that we all find ourselves in. And today, we're gonna go all the way back to week 17 of our church during the Silent Killers series. And this was a series where we shined a bright light into some dark corners that, that, that really these things and kind of uncovered some things that were silently killing so many of us. And uh, today we're talking about something that I knew that we had to talk about in this series. Uh, I just knew whenever we were gonna do this series, we have to talk about this. So today we're gonna be talking about the silent killer of depression of depression. It's a tough subject. It's a heavy subject. It's one that I'm approaching today with a ton of humility as not an expert at all, uh, that really I'm not a counselor. Um, I'm, I'm not a trained uh, professional psychologist. I'm a pastor, and it's my responsibility as a pastor to tell you what God says and to take you to, take you to God. And so this is a heavy subject, but it's one that we need to talk about, especially in this season, because depression is more is way more common and affects way more people than you think. One psychologist, as I was studying for this message, said that depression is the common cold of our emotions. A recent study from the National Institute of Mental Health says that 17.3 million adults in America have experienced this thing called depression. And that, get this, was before this coronavirus crisis. And those stats, amazingly enough, that were already high, have skyrocketed during this pandemic. One Washington Post article recently said that the coronavirus pandemic is pushing America into a mental health crisis. It goes on to describe that right now we are in a historic rise of depression like never before. So in other words, historically high numbers of depression have gone even higher. But for some reason, there's often a stigma that is attached to this subject. There's a stigma that's attached to depression and to mental illness. It's like there's something majorly wrong with you if that's a part of your life. And I'm telling you, that's gotta stop, especially in the church. We can't be silent about this. We have to talk about this stuff um, because we would never put a stigma on somebody who's sick physically. So why would we put a stigma on somebody who's sick mentally? So listen, like if, if you... If you are right now struggling, and statistically, there's going to be some people that are watching this right now that may be struggling, or maybe you have in the past, you need to hear this. It is not a sin to be sick. Let me put it this way, that it's okay to not be okay. But we do have conviction as a church, and we believe that that conviction comes from God, that while it is okay to not be okay, it's not okay to stay that way that we wanna help you, and that we believe that God can and he will help you. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about depression. Like a whole book of the Bible 
is called Lamentations. Basically, like, here's all the problems I have with you and the world. It's like a whole book is called Lamentations. In Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two, it says, get this encouraging verse in your spirit today. Everything is meaningless. <laughs> Completely meaningless. It's so, so, it's so good. Um, in Psalm 143, verse seven, it says, come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. And in Job chapter 10, this is after this guy named Job has experienced some of the hardest things that, that somebody ever recorded has gone through. And in Job chapter 10, he says, I can't stand my life. I hate it. So why did you have me born? I wish no one had ever laid eyes on me. I wish I'd never lived a stillborn, buried without ever having breathed. Isn't it time to call it quits on my life? Now, this verse, it highlights one of the things, one of the worst things about depression is that some people, due to depression, choose to end their lives. In fact, depression is the leading cause of suicide. And I'm telling you, this became very personal to me during this pandemic. One of my friends who has served for years as a pastor phenomenal pastor, phenomenal leader, phenomenal preacher, and a friend of mine who's been struggling behind the scenes with depression for a long time, chose to end his life a few months ago, right in the middle of this whole coronavirus season. And um, the truth is, I'm sure that other people have too. And I just want to just look right into your eyes and just say, listen, like, if you're struggling with this, you do not have to die to end your pain. You don't. You don't have to die to end your pain. In fact, suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. That's what that is. And so if, if, if that's what you're thinking about, if, if, if that's ever, I'm just asking you, please tell somebody. Please tell somebody. That is your action step from this message. Tell somebody. And if you don't have anybody in your life that you can go and pick up the phone right now and tell, you can call this number, 1-800-237-TALK-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And you can call that at any time and talk to a trained professional. And so I just want to encourage you. If that's you, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody. So today... With the rest of our time, I want to focus on a story in 1 Kings chapter 19. And just to give you a little bit of context, in 1 Kings 18, so the chapter before, is one of the coolest go-God like stories and chapters in all the Bible. And uh, go read it this week. I don't have time to tell you all about it and do that. But basically, there's a guy named Elijah. He's a prophet of God. And he single-handedly defeats 450, so outnumbered 450 to one, he defeats 450 prophets of Baal, this other false god. So they have like this duel, this god-like face-off, and he wins, and he's feeling so good. And just imagine, I tell you guys, whenever we have a victory like that, we walk different, we got a little bit of swag in our life, and he's feeling so good. And then here's what happens right after that, 
in 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll start in verse one. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, that he had done all these things, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, who was the queen at the time, sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. And so Elijah very quickly gets in a dark place. In 1 Kings chapter 18, he experiences the highest of highs. But then in 1 Kings 19, he experiences the lowest of lows. And I think we can learn from that. Because how many of you know that our lowest lows come right after our highest highs, most of the time when we're not even expecting it. So it feels like this overhand right that we never see coming. And by all definitions, if you read through that and you read his tone, he was depressed. But my question is, how did he get there? How did he get there so fast? And so when I read these four verses, I see three things. We're gonna shoot through them real fast that got him in such a dark place. And here's the first one is deception, is deception. In verse two, it says, so Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me. If by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. And these two verses out of the four that we just read blow my mind. Think about it. Think about it. How quickly he forgot chapter 18. How quickly he forgot how God showed up and showed out, how he defeated 450 guys in one moment. And then right after that, he goes running scared from one pen pal with some lady. Like that's literally like, how? How does that happen? And ultimately, he was deceived into thinking the wrong things. He was thinking the wrong things. And here's the truth. We have a very real enemy. His name is the devil, Satan. And in John 10, 10, it describes his job description. He has a job and it's to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Bible also says that he is a liar. In fact, it says that he is the father of lies. That when he speaks, it's his native tongue. He's fluent in lies. So, Through lies and deception, he will do everything he can to steal and to kill and to destroy everything in your life. And that's why it's so important that we have to know truth. We have to know truth. Because when you know the truth, you will recognize a lie. When you know the truth, you will recognize the lie. And that's why reading the Bible is so important. I can't stress this enough. It's more than just a book. This is God's word. It's alive, it's powerful, and it is truth. And so if you've maybe never read the Bible, you can, we actually have a ton of resources on our website at queencitypeople.com slash Bible, and you can find reading plans and messages on reading the Bible and all types of resources that are there that you can go check out. But the first thing I see is that there was deception. Here's the second thing is isolation. 
There was isolation. It goes on to say in verse three that he went to Beersheba, a town of Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. So he was all by himself, and that's a very dangerous place to be. In fact, we're, I believe we are the most vulnerable when we are alone. So the truth is, over the last five to six months, because of this coronavirus situation that we've all found ourselves in, and even because we've been in a literal quarantine, maybe you've been living isolated, alone lives, and maybe you're lonely. And I'm telling you, God's word says that's not good. The very first thing that God said in Genesis chapter two that wasn't good was, when he, was loneliness. And so it's not, and, and that's why from the beginning of this whole thing, I have not liked the term social distancing. I haven't liked that at all because maybe right now we need to be physically distant, but we need to now and always be socially and relationally connected, always. And so listen, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, I'm telling you, you are in trouble. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to be telling somebody because God will not continue to heal what you continue to hide. And so that's why our small groups are such a big deal at our church. And Lauren already talked about those earlier and told you a lot of really awesome things about that and that our fall semester starts next month. And I'm just telling you, that's why it's such a big deal. And that's why we do small groups. And so I'm encouraging you to get in a group, to lead a group. If you've already been one of our small group leaders, you've already been trained. So I'm asking you right now to be praying and thinking about what small group can I lead, whether that be in person, whether that be online, that you find a way to lead a group because it's so important for that to happen. Or if you've never led a group, you can actually be trained today in how to lead a group. And so listen, these small groups, they're not a luxury, they are a necessity. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if like, you know, I'm just not really a people person. No, they are for everybody. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're brand new to this whole thing or maybe you've been following Jesus for decades. We all need, it is a necessity, not a luxury. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. That's a small group. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So he got there because there was deception, there was isolation, and then number three, comparison. Comparison. In 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse four, it says he sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. Listen, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. So Elijah starts comparing himself to other people. And Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. And so today, here's what I believe. That comparison is rampant right now, especially because of social media. Now, this is not me being anti-social media. I'm not that guy. I love social media. I think it's awesome, incredible tool. But sometimes you use the tool and sometimes that tool uses you. And like right now, like I love social media, but it's destroying so many of you. 
Because you're constantly comparing your normal life to everybody else's highlight reel. So you're seeing all your behind the scenes and things that are happening in your bad moments, but all you're seeing all day, every day is everybody else's highlight reel. And newsflash, nobody's life is as good as their Instagram. Nobody. They're not showing the angle that shows the, their dirty side of their room with clothes everywhere. Or they're not showing or Instagram living like the fight they had with their spouse or like their, their, their toddler having a meltdown. Like you're not seeing any of that stuff. And so listen, today we need to understand that comparison will kill our contentment. It will. It will kill. Like we're never gonna be content if we're always comparing our lives with everybody else's lives. And so comparison, like he got there because of that. So how did Elijah get in that dark place in 1 Kings 19? It was deception, isolation, and comparison. And the truth is you may be in that same exact spot right now and you are face to face with the reality of the silent killer of depression. So the big question is, what do you do? Like, what do you do when you get in that place? And I think if you keep reading in in chapter 19, it answers that question. And I I will say this before I share these three things, that I'm telling you, if that's where you're at, you have to tell somebody. I think that I think that is that is where everything starts. You have to pick up a phone, you have to have the courage to send a text, you have to tell somebody if this is where you're at. But when you read through the rest of the chapter, you see God pull Elijah out of that place. And here's what I see. I see three things. I'm going to give you two sets of three. I know I normally only give one. I'm going to do three. It's like the modern NBA. We're just shooting threes like crazy, okay? Um, So here's number one. Um, Here's number one. Get healthy physically. Get healthy physically. I think we see this in this story because it says in verse five, it says, then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Some of you right there are like, that's my life verse. (laughs) That's it. That's it. I'm going to get that tattooed on my neck right there. Just get up and eat. So he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stone. So hot, fresh, awesome bread and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to just keep going. So God, get this, when he's in that dark place, the very first thing he does is he sends a supernatural angel with some very natural solutions. Sleep, eat some food, drink some water, repeat, keep doing that. And scientific studies have shown that our physical health affects our mental health. So I just want to encourage you, if you're there, go work out. Go take a walk, get some sunlight, eat healthier foods, slow down, take a nap. In fact, cancel whatever you have for the rest of the day and go take a nap. Take a nap. Some of you are like, this is the, this is the best church. It's my, it's my home church. <laughs> this is my church. This is it. And, um, you know, like, just get healthy physically. Um, but seriously, 
how much of our lives would change if we just got consistently eight hours of sleep at night? Psalm 127 verse 2 in the Bible says, in vain you rise early and stay up late. Like I just grind. That's what I do. I wear it as a badge of honor. We do that. Well, in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he, God, he grants sleep to those he loves. So get healthy physically. Here's number two. Go to God. Go to God. Go to God. In verse 10, it says, Elijah, he's talking. He says, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And I don't wanna highlight anything that's in that because what he said was honestly very wrong and it was full of self-pity. But here's what I, I don't want you to see what he said. I want you to see what he did because what he did is he went straight to God. He went to God. So, and he holds nothing back. It's like he word vomits all his frustrations and all his problems. And it came out as a ton of complaining and self-pity. Uh, but here's the important truth that we gotta see from these verses is that you and I can go to God for anything. We can go to him for anything. I promise you, you're not gonna be the first person to take him those things and you won't be the last. You can take anything, frustration, problems, issues. You can take your depression. You can take questions, doubt, anything. God is not afraid of your issues. He's not. He's not intimidated. He's not afraid of whatever that you have. He can handle it. And you need to know that in your darkest moments of life, God is right there beside you. He is right next to you. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we just talked about the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere. But even if you study more of the Bible, you'll see that Jesus, that one of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that the Holy Spirit, that the Bible says, lives on the inside of every believer, so I'm telling you, wherever you are, like in your dark moments, God is right there with you. And the invitation today that I feel so, such a burden for is this in Matthew chapter 11, this invitation from Jesus himself where he says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And here's the promise, and I will, not that I might, but I will give you what your soul desperately needs. I'll give you rest. So in just a few moments, we're going to give you that opportunity to come to Jesus. And so what did, what did we see? How did he get out of that spot? One, get healthy physically. Two, go to God. And then number three, experience the presence of God. Experience the presence of God. So right after Elijah word vomits on God, this is what he says in verse 11. This is what the Bible says. God says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain and it was a terrible blast. The rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. I don't know what God said right there in that moment. But I do know that Elijah experienced the presence of God. And I love that God spoke to him in a whisper. I love that. 
I love that God, out of all the things he could have done, right there in that moment, in his darkest place, he whispered to him. Because the only way you can hear a whisper is if you're close. So you need to realize that no matter what you find yourself in, what life looks like, you could be right now in the middle of depression, that God is close to you. He's right there. And not only is he close, I believe with all my heart that he's speaking. And when he's close and when he's speaking, then you can experience his presence. And I believe, and I believe that the people that I'm in this room with believe that one moment in God's presence can change everything. Believe it with all our heart. That one moment, just one moment in God's presence can change everything. So before we end today, before we wrap up Church at Home, we wanted to intentionally create a space for you to experience the presence of God. So in just a moment, we're gonna worship together. Uh, the, The team's gonna lead us in a song, and here's why. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people, meaning God's presence loves to hang out around worship. And so we wanna create a moment for that to happen. Wherever you're at, I just wanted just for you to create a space for you to connect with God. So this is what I want you to do here in this room and watching online. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. And let's right now, let's remove every single distraction, every single distraction. If you're taking notes, if you have your Bible, you set that down and just no distractions. Just, and just get in a place where you can focus on Jesus. Just focus on what he's done in your life. Think about that he loves you so much that he did what you and I couldn't do and he went to the cross to take care of our sins and just think about Jesus. And maybe right now you're in the middle of a very tough season. Maybe this whole coronavirus pandemic, maybe it was really good for you. For some of you, maybe it was it's the hardest five, six months of your life. And you found yourself in a dark place and you've wrestled with depression. Here's what I know. I believe with all my heart that if we can create a space right now, we can experience the presence of God right where you're at. No matter if you're in your home and nobody else is around, maybe you're at a watch party right now, wherever you're at, maybe you're watching way later. I'm telling you, I believe that you can experience God right now. And one moment in God's presence can change everything. So right now with your eyes closed, I just want you to just pray this right where you're at. And say, God, right now, I open my heart to you. Wherever I'm at in my life, wherever I am in my spiritual journey, right now, I open up my heart and my mind to you right now. In fact, I open up my entire life to you and I let you in. Right now, I let you in. No matter what I'm going through, God, I believe that you are right here with me, right where I'm at right now, that you're close. God, I ask that right now, over the next few moments, will you help us to hear your whispers? Just like Elijah did. Will you help us 
hear your voice and help us experience your presence right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm caught up in your presence And I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never Nothing else, oh, nothing else. 
nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else, no Nothing else, Jesus Nothing else will do Oh, I just want you Nothing else, oh, nothing else Nothing else, only Nothing else will do, yes, I just want you. Nothing else, oh no, nothing else, oh Jesus, nothing else will tell. I just want you. Nothing else, oh nothing else, nothing else, oh Jesus, nothing else. Will do. I just want you. We tell him nothing else, only you, only you. Nothing else, oh Jesus. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Oh God, there's nothing else that we want. We just want to experience your presence and your power in our lives. Because we know that one moment in your presence, it can change everything. And so God, right now, I pray for all my brothers and all my sisters that maybe in this season have struggled with a, with just depression. Maybe been thinking things that I never thought I'd think and feeling things I never thought I'd felt. And God, I just pray that your presence would be so real to them right now in Jesus' name. I ask God that right now in this moment that we will exchange that spirit of heaviness for a garment of your praise. And God, that we would be able to right now, right now, that you fill them with hope you fill them with peace? Would you fill them with joy that can't be taken from them? And would you do what only you can do? Because if we could, we'd already change. But God, we need you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. And just right now with your eyes closed and your head bowed, we do this every week at our church, but I want you to just ask God, God, what are you saying to me today? Specifically to me. What are you saying to me? Maybe ask him like, God, what is my response need to be to this message? Maybe it's to pick up a phone and call somebody. Maybe it's to tell, here's what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe it's to go see a doctor. Maybe it's to go see a counselor, go back to counseling. Maybe it's to change your diet or to start to exercise or get more sleep. Maybe it's to join a small group. But for some of you, You need to respond to Jesus's invitation that we read earlier to come to him so that you can experience true rest. So maybe you're here and you, right now, you feel so far from God, like he's a million miles away. And today, maybe you just need a fresh start. Maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you have in the past and you've went off and you've done your own thing. And you, right now, you just feel so far from God. But today, we wanna give you that opportunity to make what we believe is the most important decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus.
so if you're here and you wanna make that decision, I just want you to pray this, just simply in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you everything. And I choose today to follow you, not just for today, but for the rest of my life. We are so grateful for you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.